Jade Software presents Beta and Beyond, the RegTech Modernization Podcast. Hey, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us on the show today. This episode, we're talking technology in the insurance space with Jason Roberts, the founder of InsureTech NZ and the co-founder of the Global InsureTech Alliance. Thanks for attending, Jason. Excellent. Lovely to be here. Thank you, Michael. No worries. Can you tell us a little about your tech journey into the insurance space? Sure. Look, um, I, uh, I I came out of university as a as a psychologist, basically family therapy. So my actually many of my years were in that world, and it was only around about two thousand that I um, changed horses or went to the dark side, as my wife <laughs> refers to me. Going, um, but the, the reality though is that I was always really interested in helping people. Uh, understand and 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 in a sense change, and so technology, um, which is the game I've been in since around about 2000, started with. Funnily enough, as a social worker, I wanted young people to engage better with um, important messaging around their health, and that was the beginning of what was called uh, Urge Fakamanawa, which is an online youth service. Mm. It's uh, now been gifted over to Youthline, which is pretty cool. Got me into marketing got me into software, as we all do. This is in the days, by the way, when when we didn't have um, mobile phones like we do now. Um, mm. Websites were really clunky. My first, my first digital business was an MP3 company, and it used to take all night to download three and a half songs. So that's where <laughs> we've got to now. Uh, but that, that led to a text messaging software company. The stuff that you see every day now about um, health reminders, blood test reminders, mm. uh, that got me into the medical space. And from there, went into um, Unified Comms, was Ecoms. So it was a great journey um, being with a wonderful New Zealand uh, growth company who then, um, you know, a global, sold overseas, wonderful exit for a Kiwi company. Mm. Uh, and that really got me into the whole area of digital marketing. And through that, how do you help uh, some of the larger companies. So it got me into that. Uh, and then uh, out of Zcom, we founded LiveLink Connect, which is an email marketing software platform delivery company. Mm. And I went through that wonderful journey of startup to exit, which took seven years and, wow. uh, you know, really pleased to get there. But I, I can't pretend it was uh, without stress, but that's mm. part of being in the startup journey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and ever since I've been involved in bespoke software development and through that, uh, returned to my roots, funnily enough, when I came out of university, I started in insurance. I went, no, this isn't for me. I'm going to be a social worker. So now, full swing around, quite a few years later, um, I've been really interested in insurance because it, ne- it it is an area that's important to all of us. Mm. If we don't have insurance, we're in you know a lot of trouble when we need it. And people often engage poorly. They don't get great value. And I also believe that insurers themselves could do a far better job of communicating and helping their customers. So my interest around uh, um, involving or being involved with insurance came out of that desire just to, to help improve it. And about four years ago, through the help of Mitchell Pham and Algon Software uh, and, of course, NZ Tech, we founded um, InsureTech New Zealand under, under uh, FinTech New Zealand. Been a wonderful parent uh, group to help us. Mm. That's grown. It's been quite cool. Um, and then through that into the Global InsureTech Alliance, which is now a network of um, 
I think it's 17 insurtech groups around the world. So this is London, Israel, Australia, Singapore, uh, America, uh, who actually are all collectively on the same journey around growing insurtech awareness. How do we innovate? How do we provide a better service? And of course, there's a huge amount of opportunity now with the um, improvements of technology, this whole area of customer experience and customer expectation, mm. without doubt major drivers for insurers, reinsurers, vendors, technology companies to all really lift their game. And behind that, this backdrop of regulation, compliance, legislation, all of whom talking ultimately about best customer value, best customer experience, how um, you uh, are good with private data, how you, you know, how you make sure the customer interests are looked after first. So there's been a really uh, changed uh, environment and behind that, um, many of these organisations are looking at their own technology and going, gosh, are we fit for purpose? Mm. But at the same time, we've got this really big problem about legacy platforms and systems. We spend mega dollars building. Mm. How do we keep that and, and also have a good customer experience? How do we engage digitally? How do we find a new world of um, uh, engagement for a customer that really sort of works at the level but still addresses our needs so you've got new technologies opening up you've got new problems around uh, legacy platforms and infrastructure mm -hmm. and how to how do you address those properly or realistically around front-end customer experience so it's a it's a really big growing area and it's and it's ending up your customer experience with an insurance company now is your mobile phone it's a call center it's a chatbot it's a document that comes through your email, it's an SMS, it's a multi-channel, omni-channel uh, experience, but often disconnected. So, um, you know, I've been really interested around real-time personalised experiences with insurance or insurers uh, they actually reflect the customer journey and what they expect given that many of us now are using ubers of this world and you know we've all had this new bar lifted about how we in, uh, engage with an organization and insurers can't do things with paper anymore they can't do contact centers anymore apart from the fact it's expensive um, they actually need to have better experiences. So that, that, that's ultimately what I've been really interested in from an innovation technology point of view. And um, I, I think many who are involved in the insure tech space very much adopt that mindset as well. Mm. It's um, pretty interesting, the global um, insure tech alliance. What's the knowledge sharing um, uh, between the different organisations like with that? Yeah, I, I think it, funnily enough, um, before COVID, I was thinking this is never going to work. It's too hard. You know, we all do events when we're face to face and, and um, we're very much in our own little networks and world view. Mm. Just before COVID, we were actually at a point where InsurTech was taking a delegation of 20 odd um, insurance companies. Uh, insure techs, I should say, or those in the industry across to Singapore and then over to London for the, um, the annual fintech event over there, which is huge, by the way. I mean, New Zealand is just a tiny pipsqueak. Mm -hmm. um, and COVID came along and completely threw that to the wall like it is for everyone across the world. But interestingly enough, um, suddenly all the insure techs were going, you know what, we can do this virtually. We don't have to meet face to face. And we had something, we had a webinar, I think, with maybe 300 people on it. Whereas before we'd be struggling to get 50 or so. And, and mm -hmm. I think it's been really exciting that through this, Australia and Shortech Australia and Singapore and New Zealand 
have become a lot more connected, particularly mm. with an APEC kind of worldview. Yeah. Um, and, and what we're seeing and, and also promoting for InsurTech is this crossing the ditch um, element of bringing InsurTech innovation of folk from Australia into New Zealand, which stimulates the market here and lifts the game around expectation and vice mm. versa, opening gateways and opportunities for our folk to get into export. And um, some of the trends have been accelerated by the relationships and the natures of that uh, alliance, if you like. So we, we think from a networking, you know, connecting, promoting, advancing kind of construct that's definitely accelerating opportunity. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, from your dealings uh, with the working group at InsureTech, how responsive are boards to investing in technology to enhance not just their compliance obligations, but their customer experience offering too? Yeah, um, I think boards have had a really big challenge and a really strong rethink over the last couple of years. I mean, they've got multiple pressures. They've got the natural competition in the environment where the smarter, more digitally savvy companies are beginning to claim more opportunity in space. Mm -hmm. But particularly to do with the onboarding journey, if you can get them, get a customer to stick with you for longer, you know, your margins and profit are improved. The fire in general space in particular has done, a, done quite a good job. And it's been interesting watching you know, relatively um, smarter companies in New Zealand, and I'd sort of name in that tower AI Insurance, um, and maybe FNG, who are a mutual group, who have done a, a really good job of understanding their customer and digitising the experience of onboarding and pretty good connected experiences as well. Uh, you know, it's been quite interesting watching uh, Tower come out with telematics products, you know, new products that use technology. This is Internet of Things, your mobile device platform to track your driving behaviours, which mm. mean that in response, they can give you a better service, they can give you you know, lower claims, excesses, that kind of stuff. And you're beginning to see technology really sparking up new products. So what does that mean for boards? It means that they have to look with a technology lens above and beyond their legacy stacks and their huge investments, by the way. Mm. It's not uncommon to see companies spending millions upon millions of dollars setting systems up. So how do you address this shortfall between existing legacy platforms with their limited functionalities or fit for market with a new expectation of we need to have a better customer experience, we need to have a data-led strategy, we need to be able to be more responsive around customer experience and immediacy and omni-channel. So what you're seeing is a couple of sort of uh, areas of innovation. So one of them is the better use of the likes of intelligent automation. This is areas like RPA, robotic process automation, which mm -hmm. is essentially software bots to do what humans do. So removing the manual boring duplicitous kind of tasks mm. and letting software do that, but also empower the agents, the the uh, middle office, if you like, to do things more efficiently, efficiently, which is a productivity discussion. So mm. boards are very interested in the cost saving side, the efficiency value, the productivity side of that area of technology. The front side is more to do with, okay, we have to have good experience. We have to give people the ability to communicate or engage with us better. We have to make it more real time. We have to make it more personalized. And that, I think, is a big driver for boards now, particularly in the face of expectations from multiple areas. So one of them is customer. We want a better mm -hmm. experience. The other side is actually now getting into the area of regulatory and, and um, privacy, 
requirements um, from uh, our bodies like the FMA, RBNZ. So in there, you have rights now as a customer to have better access to your data, to have more um, privacy and control, to have the best product market fit. Mm-hmm. Now, why try and sell me something or sell it to me again and again just to get my, you know, my my um, commission improvements or mm-hmm. ongoing? So there are quite big regulatory challenges that all insurers are now having to adjust to, some of which is regulatory, mm-hmm. as in you must do it, um, and some of which is guidance. And unlike Australia, which is more, in my opinion, more of thou shalt do, and New Zealand is more of a thou should do. Yeah. I think I think um, we've had quite a nice environment here where, where the expectation on insurers um, and other providers, the wealth wealth space and banks and so on, are all having to lift their game. And mm. boards are going, gosh, how do we address these twofold problems? Is it that we carry on investing in the ongoing infrastructures that we've put so much into? Mm. Is it that our distribution and the way that we communicate, sell, share needs to be improved. And I think they're all beginning to say that. And if you look at companies like Tower, who, you know, great Kiwi company, small, but you know, great Kiwi company, uh, with, with Blair Turnbull's um, appointment, now you've got a technology-led lead role coming from the board saying, gosh, you know what, we really have to invest in technology. And, and that is about customer experience. It's about better self-service, better products, better product market fit. And you're beginning to see other insurers all do that. Even life insurers are now coming out with wellness models. You know, you can uh, you get your Apple Life, iWatch, whatever it is, and through that, um, you know, we can give you a better experience. Whether or not it lasts a distance, I don't know. But um, certainly there's that expectation now. Yeah, sure. Okay, changing tack slightly now, uh, the whole NEO movement has been gaining momentum lately, particularly in the banking space in the US, UK, and recently Australia. With this NEO versus incumbent battle, it's another case where the grass is often greener. Um, Startups have the nimbleness and perceived cool factor, which helps them attract top talent, yet have those initial teething years where they struggle to fund expansion. Incumbents, on the other hand, have the security, massive data sets and formidable revenue base, yet can Mm -hmm. struggle to attract talent to deliver their projects. How do you see this playing out in the New Zealand insurance space? Right. Well, I think we've got a couple of dynamics to think about here. One is... um, Many of our insurers are owned by Australia, um, you know, all the big ones, basically, mm. uh, or Singapore, America, you know. Very few, actually, in New Zealand are made in New Zealand for New Zealand. You know, mm. we've got, funnily enough, our biggest insurer, ACC, is a, definitely a Kiwi company mm-hmm. um, and very powerful in the market. Yep. And, um, you know, they're important, really important. Then we have the life insurers you know, the fidelities, the partners' life and so on. And then from a fire and general A insurance, although... I don't actually think they're owned by New Zealand anymore, but Tower, Tower is. Uh, but but you're, you have to think with the lens of what do we need in New Zealand for New Zealand when most of our owned companies are actually owned from overseas? So I think one of the dynamics in the market is that we're actually not getting best fit for New Zealand. And what's really interesting then is what does that mean for insurtechs? So insurtechs are coming through. They're here to solve a problem. Mm. And all of them are going, gosh, we've got a problem around often customer experience, 
sometimes things like actuary, um, you know, back-end technologies and so on. Uh, and, and what you're seeing now around the world is that most of the insurtechs, if you look at the people who run them or start them, found them, they tend to be people from within the industry who have gone, hang on a minute, this isn't working. I can do something different or better. Mm. Uh, and around the world, that is a dynamic fully. Um, and what you're seeing now is a bunch of folk going, we can go out because guess what? We've got new technology, we've got new opportunities, we've got a changing player field, we can do stuff. So mm. you've got this really strong driver happening everywhere. And it's really meant um, that companies um, are having to adjust the way that they respond. Um, and it brings up things like, gosh, you know what? We need tech talent. We need people from inside. We don't need we don't need to look inside to solve our problems. Mm. We need to look outside. And this is this whole concept of partnering. And by partnering, mm. I mean talking with, actively engaging with insurtechs, vendors, solution providers, technologists, um, and others who have an influence. And also actually fostering talent. So mm. how do we make, for a better word, insurance sexy for some young dude who's getting into BA or a developer, how do we make our environment interesting enough for them to really go, I want to be in the industry? I mean, it's an industry that, in my view, has always had a bit of a male stale pale problem. Mm. And and I think when you've got this ability for insurance to be seen as exciting and attractive, uh, you actually have to really partner. So the partnering takes a number of dimensions. Some mm. of it's to do with got internal problems. Let's get good talent. Let's bring them in, get them involved, make it sexy. And then we can start internally adapting. Mm. And, of course, incumbents have great customer databases. They've got the relationship. They've got all of the products and solutions, really. They can just expand on that if they have a more technologically friendly environment. Uh, partnering, though... It's really important, but insurtechs have big problems like all startups do. They have, you know, fit for purpose. Are we the right product market fit? That's always a challenge for any mm. stage company. Do we have the financial runway to engage with an insurer who might take years to engage? Mm. And then how on earth do you get the best product market fit? And uh, this challenge is universal, but I yeah. think especially powerful in New Zealand where we haven't got this um, open marketplace of partnering so so well developed yet. The mm. good news is, is in the four years that I've been involved in InsurTech, we've gone from, you know, when we, when we first founded InsurTech, incidentally with a number of incumbents, a bunch of insurers, vendors and so on, we've gone from, you're not a, uh, you know, what I think was perceived as a disruptor, a challenger, um, you know, an unknown space is now being seen as, gosh, you know what, these guys really are augmenting and supporting our own innovation. Mm. And uh, it's been wonderful for the likes of the Financial Services Council and others to invite us to be involved in having streams at their events where we can talk openly about the impacts of AI or customer experience or data, all of which actually changes that playing field. So I think partnering is a really big part of it. Mm. And behind this, one of our goals would be to grow the understanding that it's a, a place that you can invest. If you're a, if you want to become an angel investor or a shareholder, you know what, insurtechs aren't a bad thing. 
Mm. Uh, you've just got to realise the nature of, of your environment. When we uh, wrote the EY InsurTech report around InsurTechs only two years ago, I think of the 20 companies that we identified, only two have, uh, for better word, gone out of business. Yeah. So from a startup success rate, that's actually really good. Mm-hmm. And and what we're seeing the last year or so is a number of Australian or international companies now coming into New Zealand, which we weren't seeing before. So clearly, we're being seen as a place to come, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, sure. um, I hope that answers your question in a roundabout way. <laughs> it's not quite. <laughs> you know, this it, it's a pretty deep subject, so uh, you can tackle it a number of ways. Um, so. How then do incumbents need to adapt in order to deliver the same kind of value to their customers? Yeah, I, I think this really is getting into this whole area of, of, of front-end experience. Gartner refers to a term called total experience, TX they call it, mm-hmm. um, and that's number two on the Gartner hit list at the moment of what you need to really focus on. But mm-hmm. what it comes down to is if I'm a customer, when I engage with you as an uh, insurance company, um, I want you to know who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know that wherever I touch your company, call centre, email, um, insurance broker, uh, whatever it might be, I want to know that you know me, that the products or services are in tune with my interest or timeliness of what I'm doing with you, that it's very personalised, and you're not sending me stuff that's out of context. So, you know, a typical thing, I've spent ages trying to get through in the call centre. On my chatbot, I've been trying to get the answers, but I may or may not have got it. But mm. guess what? They're, they're completely out of tune. Maybe the email marketing message to say, well done for doing this, is actually, well, I've already bought that. I'm on to this now. So uh, what you're seeing, and this is actually quite exciting, Data is the key to understanding where a person is on the customer journey. Mm. And many insurers now, and there's a few great Kiwi companies who are going, we really need to investigate CDPs because our data is siloed across multiple areas. You know, the Mm. front end, the email, call center, um, SMS, chatbot channel, broker, they're all at the front end. At the back end, we've got a legacy problem. So how do we... If you're an IT guy, how do you stitch together all these data points? Well, it's a mm. logistics nightmare. So it's a spaghetti problem. Yep. Um, the rise of customer data platforms essentially in real time can be connecting all of these data points. It's more of a hub and spoke concept, really, mm. where um, the customer, as they're involved in the customer journey, because their information is being received in real time and personalized, it can push back out to all of the other systems that are connected to it in real time so that when you come in through your contact center the agent actually is already aware that you've been engaging on the chatbot so what we're seeing now i think is this really wonderful from a marketing technology point of view which i love is this whole area which i always dreamed of when i had my own email marketing company Mm -hmm. is we can have real-time personalized conversations that aren't mm. siloed anymore and and that i think is a major opportunity for insurers but one of mm. the biggest problems insurers have and this is where the advantage lies with insure texas insurers have data everywhere yeah they can't find it necessarily they can't shape it mm. um, and the fact that they have obligations as an insurer to give you 
correct information, they run the risk of, funnily enough, data is more of a problem than a lack of data because what if we send you the wrong information or the mm. wrong legal document or the wrong piece of the customer journey? We now end ourselves in front of the FMA or, or Reserve Bank or, or even worse, being a brand problem in the media because we've accidentally disclosed some private information. I'll give mm. you an example. This is, you know, I'll never name the company, but when the Christchurch earthquake happened, I was given the database to send through our email marketing software. This is a live link. And um, the insurance brokers had been putting in the first name deceased. So not necessarily someone had died in the earthquake, but yeah. simply that they were no longer a customer or whatever. Mm. So I was given this database to send a campaign to say, hey, uh, customers, we're right behind you. You know, we're here for you as an insurance company. Guess mm. what? The first name field had deceased. Now imagine if that campaign had been sent out to the recipient yeah. with that name. Now that is the brand risk that many of them face through data. If the data isn't right or it's misplaced or it's incorrect, you run the risk of terrible brand problems or even worse, landing yourself um, you know, in front of some kind of board or, or, or um, legal action. Uh, mm -hmm. So they don't want that. Whereas insurtechs, funnily enough, don't have that problem because their data tends to be very singular to do with the solution they're providing or mm -hmm. simply they haven't that bloat problem yet. Um, so this is where this partnership of insurers working with insurtechs to give quite good almost single point solutions through the insurtech channels can be really empowering. Mm. Oh, sure. Um, so um, any final thoughts before we wrap? <laughs> Not really. I think I think um, my view would be partnering is the most important challenge in front of us. So if we're looking for bringing innovation into our business, we have to look beyond our four walls. We have to be able to reach out and talk to other folk. Mm. We have to um, invest in understanding a changing technology environment. Mm. I think for incumbents, it's about reviewing some of their technology stack and thinking differently around how the customer journey or customer experience or even middle office back office areas can be improved by using technology and innovation. Mm. I think for insurers, uh, sorry, incumbents, they really need to look more about um, the best product market fit Mm. which is really about talking to insurers or the customers about how they get the best solution. I think the uh, area of investment would be really good for our market to realise that InsurTech is a thing. It is worth investing in. And, I, I, you know, if we look at wealth, it's been fantastic. We've had the likes of Sharesies and mm. Hatch, Journal, all of these wonderful wealth companies who have really engaged with the youth market or not even youth because, you know, Yeah. I use I use them, yeah. uh, but you know we've we found a new way of engaging. Who would have imagined that managing funds would be kind of interesting or sexy? We haven't kind of fit that with insurance, and I don't know if we ever will. Um, but certainly, is that uh, I I think it's great that the FEMA have front people to help work with fintech. So, you know, there's two roles that have been created to help bridge the gap between the regulators, regulators, legislators, and also mm. helping FinTech get speech shape. And a number of vendors who are doing a really good job of um, introducing best product market fit technologies as well. Yeah, cool. 
Okay, sounds like we've got a um, few more things that we can talk about in the future episodes. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Jason. Pleasure. Nice to have you, and thank you for inviting me. No problems. And thanks everyone else who listened in too. If you've liked what you've heard today and you know someone who might be interested in what we've talked about, feel free to share this podcast with them. Until then, we'll catch you later.